Every journey begins with a question. Our journey begins with this one. How can we lead to make the world better? Here, we explore that question through journeys of great success and accomplishment, confronting challenges and overcoming obstacles with leaders from around the globe, whose experience covers a vastly diverse range of background, sector, role, and expertise. One common thread unites them all. They are all leaders striving to make the world better. They are all better world leaders. I'm Tim Collings, host of the Better World Leaders podcast and founder CEO of 4 Eye Leadership. Welcome to today's journey with another inspiring and insightful leader who shares their experiences and learnings as they progress on the path to make the world better. So welcome to the concluding episode of the first season of Better World Leaders. And in this summation, this finale, I'm going to invite you to consider what is the next small step that you can take to make the world better. So why am I going to talk today just about taking a small step? Why not a huge leap? Why not some game-changing shift? Well, this is exactly the point of this podcast for me, and I hope potentially for you, that I'm here to learn and I'm here to curate the learning from as many fantastic leaders as I can bring to you conversation by conversation, episode by episode, step by step, because there have been a number of awakening moments for me in dialogues with people who I greatly respect as leaders and I have very much looked up to and thought, wow, if I can achieve or do a tenth of what that person has done, I will deem myself to have to have done the great things and to have succeeded as a leader. But often I find these people in somewhat of a hiatus in conversation with me saying, you know, why can't I do, you know, sort of the kind of the things that you're doing? And what is it about, you know, me and and, and my perspective or my mindset or my outlook? You know, which which keeps me, you know, sort of narrowly on this rail where I want to be doing something more expansive, so much more impactful. And this has been particularly striking to me because, believe me, I don't consider anything that I've done so far to be aspirational or inspirational. But seemingly to some people it is. So what I've found already in the conversations in this first season is that I'm starting to understand how we can move past and lead forward beyond this hiatus, beyond this, you know, sort of, it's almost a, a sort of a sense of a trap of being held back and not being able to, to do and be more. So what I'm going to do today is highlight what I think are five steps, five ways that we can progress through and into a position of being able to make the world better. And as I do that, I'm going to reflect on a number of the conversations that we've had in this first season and interject, you know, just sort of short references from those conversations and let the guests speak for themselves and repeatedly share their knowledge with you just to resound and embed this is a way that you can take a step that will lead you towards making the world better. The first of these steps is to hear the call. 
and as you hear the call, confront the need to change. And I'm not going to talk here, I will at some point in the future, but I have on several other guest episodes of other podcasts about my moments of calling and these confronting moments where I really faced up to the need to change and to do things differently. Some of them were years ago that have only become apparent more recently. Others were very recent, but were immediately and dramatically impactful in awakening me to the need to do something different. And hearing the call is something that was most explicitly referenced by Victoria Foster in the superb conversation that she and I had in episode six. And for Victoria, hearing the call came as she was sort of wrestling with the pursuit of purpose. And, you know, to her words, as you'll hear in a moment, you know, sort of just expecting that you can click your fingers and find your purpose for her and for many people, that just doesn't happen. It doesn't work like that. And in actual fact, what is much more beneficial is to essentially tune in and appreciate that for many of us, you know, our purpose is already resonating. We just need to find a way to give it the amplification and find the volume that we can adjust the frequency of so that we can hear it and address it and answer the call. Here's Victoria Foster. But the minute I started trying to find my purpose, right, when you're trying to figure it out, right, it doesn't work. And what I found is that actually it's about listening to kind of where we're being called instead of figuring it out. Right. And, um, I, I see that so much, like, as you were just describing, you know, with your child, right. It's like when you actually work with what's there and see what emerges, really amazing opportunities are there. And actually the answers are there, but it requires us to actually be listening and really paying attention in ways that we're not used to that if we are going to change things and build this better world that I think we both really care about and that I had made the, the conscious decision to, we not only need to think about new solutions, right? That's part of it. But if we only kind of change the solutions, those are just going to be band-aids. We also need to be able to have leaders and uh, people see things from a different perspective. We need to do the personal work ourselves and kind of create new ways of being and leading and do the actual new business models. And that's where the real change can happen. Yeah. And what I, yeah. what yeah. we need are leaders and organizations who want to do the change mm-hmm. and are willing to disrupt and kind of confront that everything might need to be changed. Right. And so it's actually, we're talking about creativity. That's the, that's the space we're in, but held from a deeply firm place of what's our purpose and where, where can we be part of a solution and be part of creating something different. And that creativity creates all sorts of new business models, right? There's not one type of a business model, right? But for me, it is that different place where people come from. So once you've answered the call, what comes next? And for me, and I think for many people, there have been these moments of calling and we can recognize them and to an extent we can hear them, but we don't hold them long enough and we don't honor that they are what they are, that they are a call to purpose. 
and we don't make the commitment to do something different. And there's many ways that we can explore about how you make a commitment. Um, but the one that I'm going to reflect on today is coming directly from episode seven and, and, and a specific point that Sharif Hassanain made in that conversation about one of the behaviours that reflects a value that he holds most dear, and that's respectful courage. Because for me, to make a commitment, it's important to have that combination, to have the courage to say, I have decided that this is something that I stand for and this is something that I stand against. But in doing so, you are respectful of yourself and of others that you may need time to adjust to that new paradigm, to respond to those lines that you've drawn up, and that others may also need some time and some space to adjust as well. And this is not necessarily about being the most evocative and that the change is the most radical, but even something small but significant, there's going to be you know some time and energy and resources that need to be applied and that are required and that that may well be reciprocal. It's going to come from you, but it's also going to come from those who are going to be impacted by the new behaviours and beholden to the change that you're looking to instigate and you're seeking to create. So here's Sharif just talking about this key value of respectful courage. Okay. Yeah, so we've we've got seven Hussman behaviours, and I, I love them all. But um, the, the ones that um, you know I'd, I'd call out as as my favourites. One is res- respectful courage. Um, I think speaking your mind uh, and uh, and calling um, you know issues or behaviours out is um, is really important. But doing it in a respectful way so that the message you know lands uh, in the right in the right way. So so that's one for me. Uh, challenge and change um, is is at the core of everything I do. Um, I think if you carry on doing what you're doing now, you, you won't be here in five years' time. So always looking above the horizon and, and challenging the business uh, and changing uh, in the right way is, is a really important behavior for me. And then the third is owner mindset. Um, you know, if you treat your business or your function or your area of activity as your own, then uh, I think uh, the outcomes are much more powerful. So once you've heard the call and you've made the commitment to change and to lay out a path that's created of small steps to make progress, to make the world better and to change your leadership and apply it to making the world better, now it's all about facilitating the environment for success. And that specific phrase was the thing that resonated for me so powerfully from the conversation I had with Barbara Meister. And Barbara's conversation in episode eight was really all about how you yourself, how those that you look to as your leaders and how whatever team, community, organization you operate within, you know, can be enabled through creating networks of trust that cohesively become the environment within which success is nurtured. Here's some words from Barbara. Um, I think there's like three key things for me. Um, This facilitation of the environment for individuals to succeed, I think that probably summarizes it up. And I'm probably 
they work to it like a parent. You, you want to facilitate, you know, the environment for your child to basically get the best out of, of be able to get your child to get the best out of their lives. Sure. Um, I think there's three points to that. So uh, as skydiving as well as in the business as a leader, I think it's important that um, the trust, build a network of trust is really crucial, um, especially in skydiving, um, because obviously there's a lot on stake. Um, a mistake um, has fatal um, consequences. Um, yeah. So it's, it's really about being able um, to trust each other, um, that we have the capabilities, we, we, met, we are honest about our capabilities and, um, and also being able to raise if there are any issues um, because it could potentially other people's um, life on risk. Um, so we really have this trust, building this trust, and it's not something which is a given. It obviously needs, especially in Skydam as well, there's people all over, from all over the world uh, we haven't met or haven't met um, before. And sometimes to know that the leaders are comfortable that these people which are in, in this group of, um, you know, in skydiving attempt or in a training camp, they have these capabilities. Um, I've been in this situation where I have been, we call it being cut, you know, being cut out of this group because obviously didn't have the capability. And that was, was important to have a leader, a leadership team to make this decision um, to to ensure that everybody else feels safe uh, in this environment. So it's really about the trust amongst each other. I think the other one is um, just about the safe environment. So um, to have a basic create and sustain a physical but also psychological safe environment. Um, and I think in business that is really uh, important as well. A lot of um, the focus in business is really about physical environment. I think more it's also about the psychological um, environment that people feel safe um, where they are, how they're working, how they're engaging. I think that is it's a very, very important part. Skydiving, absolutely psychological um, safe environment besides the physical and um, psychological environment. Um, obviously, we need to make sure that people feel comfortable um, to speak up and also feel comfortable um, with, you know, the pressure which they put on potential performance on a certain day that they can actually handle that. So that, that's really important. So now at this point, I'm just going to take a moment to say I appreciate that I'm rolling very quickly through things that each of them would be worthy of extended conversation and arguably weeks and months of work, right? Oh, yeah, just, you know, do what Tim says, hear your call. And then once you've heard your call, you know, make that commitment and then facilitate the environment for success. Ah, oh, no worries. Easy. I appreciate that these are complicated topics, but I'm intentionally moving quickly through them because I'm trying to condense as much impetus and I hope energy into the vessel of this episode to you know, sort of steer you towards some action and, and get an outcome which you can immediately relate to and say, okay, now I can explore this some more and I will apply myself to get right in to whatever I need to do to take that next small step. And that step is towards making the world better. So having said that, I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this next step or this next iteration in this process, which is really to reflect on the words that a great mentor gave to me some years ago, which were essentially this. When you're looking to make a major change, 
seek to use as much as what you have now to do the small thing that is different. And what I took that to mean was really wherever you stand today, you have achieved a lot. Whether you're at the beginning of your career or the end, you've already done a lot that can help you to do something differently. So the conversation I had with this mentor really was at a juncture where I was thinking about all kinds of different ways to do things differently. I was a recruiter. I'd been doing that for a decade. And it wasn't enough for me just to be successful and put people into great jobs and make money on the way through. I was trying to find a way to be and do more. And I had a series of ideas that I've effectively business cased up to sit with this guy over lunch in Melbourne and say, what do you, you know, what do you think I should do? Which one of these looks the best? And he took some time to review each one of these case by case. And he asked a few questions around each and then he pushed them all away and sort of stacked them together. And then he said to me, these are all good ideas. These are good business cases. Any one of these would stand up. But tell me, what makes any of these special because of you? Like, What have you got that is different, that makes any of these business cases in any way unusual, let alone special? And what he was pushing back on was that each of these ideas was a radical shift. It was an enormous leap across and beyond the pond and into something different that I really didn't know much about. And where the conversation then went after he laid that comment on me, when you're trying to make a major change, use as much as what you've got to make the small change. What he was trying to say was, you've got a lot of experience as a recruiter networking, having conversations with senior executives, getting right into what's driving them and what are the fundamental performance levers of the organizations that you're trying to help you know, recruit for and bring more great people to. I get that you don't just want to do that anymore, but what else is different and new that's just a couple of steps away from what you're doing today so that you can apply and bring with you as much of this experience and this investment of energy and effort and time that you've got in your network and in your knowledge base and apply it to something that's new. So that took me on my journey into leadership coaching and organizational development and ultimately to bring a leadership business to bear on how can we help leaders get better in order to make the world better. That is the series of small steps that I've taken. So the question that I would have to you is how do you apply everything that you have, everything that you know, everything that you can do now and make that small shift to apply it differently to make the world better. And I reflected on this point in the conversation with Alison Fisher and some of it in the conversation there and some of it you know, off air around really you know, sort of looking at your strengths and looking at the experiences you have in order to apply yourself in a different way and to make the kind of pivot and change that she's making in her life right now as she comes out of this very toxic, abusive relationship and the impact that that had on her career and apply it to doing something new. And wow, is she succeeding in that? So I think the suggestions that I would have are don't abandon what you have, thinking that you need to completely recreate to do something to make the world better. Don't turn your back on your network in fact, re-engage them 
but change the way that you that you talk change the way that you message to them change the way you use the resources that you have on hand and build a community around you and you know be a part of it and within it that can help you to have the impact you want and be the change that you want to see and that 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 final point there about building the community i mean that was the conversation with rachel abel in episode nine and just to use a brief extract that of that here now to talk about the benefit of community in making the most of what you have to become a very powerful fulcrum for change to you Um, My definition of leadership was really, really values-based and really about um, serving other people and and what we can do to actually help our communities. And and then the exercise, during the exercise, you go back and you reflect on the salient moments, the salient people, the people who have impacted your leadership journey in your life. And that might be as early back as, you know, a school teacher or a family member, all the way through your career. So the boss that you hated and never wanted to end up like or you know the boss that you just thought wow I'd really love to be like you one day um and what I realized was all those experiences that I'd been fortunate to have been part of where people were very purpose and values driven in my leadership um timeline had then helped to uh, craft my my idea my definition of leadership many people haven't had that opportunity or taken that time to really reflect on their um, leadership journey and also to have that conversation and think through how to align themselves with their values. So it's something that some of us kind of intrinsically know, but unless you've actually been through that kind of work, you wouldn't necessarily have written it down or put it into words or kind of found a way of communicating that to other people. And so when I looked back at my sort of leadership development, how pivotal that would have been actually as a woman, a young girl to be given that kind of responsibility at a young age. And I think it's so important that we think about that even, you know, back when, you know, we're in school about, making sure that as many kids as possible get given those opportunities and especially those people who wouldn't necessarily um, naturally consider themselves as somebody who has the potential to be a leader because I think you know having those early experiences and building that confidence is really really important leadership is a process it's something that we do it's not necessarily something that's attributed to somebody in a position so we all can um, inhibit leadership it's a it's something that should be shared and distributed amongst a group of people so somebody who has resources and privilege and skills should be looking at how they can enable other people to enact their leadership as well so how we can listen better to our communities and how we can empower people to really have their own sense of agency and ownership in their community and whether that is in a community organization sort of setting or whether that's in the workplace or a school or in our own lives, I think all of those, that sort of sense of leadership for me, that, that's how I make that connection. Um, and so, you know, in, in contemporary life, we're connected with lots of different online communities. We're connected with our workplaces. We're connected with, you know, different sorts of community um, and recognizing that that is a very kind of like, you know, organic um structure it's not something that is fixed we're not just part of you know this suburb or that group of people um and so recognizing that and working with that but also like you know what's our what's our role in those communities what as you know as as leaders what do we want to do to move those communities forward and and how do we have that personal impact 
um, how can somebody who has got a position of power and authority use that as a platform to be able to help other people? Okay, we are in the final bend and heading for the final step, the final iteration in this process that I'm going to suggest you can move through in order to make these first few steps to make the world better. So we've done the work, we've done the internal exercises that have allowed us to hear the call. We've then made our commitment to changing our behaviours and doing something different and we've purposefully designed and nurtured our environment to enable us to succeed in that endeavour. And we're going to use as much of what we've got now, our experiences, our internal strengths, to make that small first change and to build to what needs to follow. And the final step, and then this does become circular and it does become the good old do, do, repeat, because the call needs to be heard repeatedly. Making the commitment needs to be done almost daily at times. And all of those other steps, they need to be enjoyed and embraced and renewed and revived again and again and again with a different response to each hurdle that we need to overcome. But this is the final step and it's it's kind of a double, a co-joined, which is to keep learning as you go and to always be looking for that next small step, no matter how micro a step it might be and this is what I've learned from the podcast that for me this podcast and the platform that I hope I'm building and the movement that this podcast is a part of beginning has been a small step now it's been a co-joining of all this experience that I've had and I haven't got it right. <laughs> Definitely a lot that you know we could have done differently uh, and a lot that we will do better as we move into season two. But it has been a fabulous experience so far. And as a lifelong learner, what I've learned you know, is to ask the tough questions of myself, to continually explore that purpose and to question why am I doing this and then to ask those same questions of the guests and that those are what's created these fantastic conversations those questions so ask better questions essentially has been the great the, the learning experience but in, in in summary and what has come from that has been great messages of support has been the initiation of connections which are going to reinforce this purpose and stimulate the mission to keep moving forward and to sustain the change that is being embraced. And that reflecting back on episode three and the conversation there with Ben Boeing, Ben Boeing, not an aircraft, Ben Bowen, that this, the early part of any process is when the most momentum is required. And then the most significant momentum after that is required to make a change or to bring it to a close. And we're a very long way from the close. And we don't need to change too much yet. So the greatest energy that you need to apply is now, is at the beginning of your change process. 
whenever you come to this conversation, the message will be the same. You need the most momentum now. So do this, make the small change, take the first small step and know that once you do, you've already made the biggest leap that you'll ever need to. And you will make the biggest commitment that you need to make. And everything beyond here is going to be downhill. It's not to say there's not going to be some lumps and bumps and things to avoid on the way down, but that is the biggest impetus that you require is to make the first small step. So here's Ben just explaining this brief construct of momentum. And then I'll say farewell. Concept of that sort of visual leader. And finally, it's building momentum. It's understanding basic physics. You know, to start something moving or to slow it down or change direction is where the energy is spent. And as an individual leader, you can't necessarily do that. So it's understanding how you build those around you to help people all row in the same direction, so to speak, or change the direction of a project or a message. It's understanding how you can best do that. And it's not, once again, it's not that calling the shots and telling people what to do. It's about being vulnerable, having that conversation, connecting with people genuinely allows you to then empower them to start helping you steer this ship and speed it up or slow it down when it needs to happen. So there we have the end of season one. And thank you for your time and attention. And I hope that you've learned something today and at any point in the season and from the great expertise and insights of the guests that have joined us in each and every episode. The one thing I wanted to finish with today was gratitude, immense gratitude to you as one of the hundreds of listeners across already more than 15 countries who's participated in this journey with us. And even at the most passive just by consuming this as part of the audience, you have helped fuel our fire and given us the impetus to keep going and keep moving forward. And in particular, I'd like to thank everybody who's interacted with us in social media for all of your comments, your likes and shares. We greatly appreciate that. And we hope to see more of that as we continue to provide more insights and more learnings for you all in the next season. I'll see you there. As always, thanks and great appreciation to the team that brought this episode and supporting resources to you. To Brendan Ward for production and original composition and performance. To Sarasa Design for logo and site graphics. And to Knock Knock Studios for website design and management. You'll find audio and video recordings for this episode as well as links and related resources mentioned today in the podcast area of 4iLeadership.com backslash insights. This is the Better World Leaders podcast, brought to you by 4i Leadership. 